Welcome to Star Wars in Poor Taste, AIPTcomics.com podcast. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Star Wars in Poor Taste. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined tonight as always by my two co-hosts, Connor Christensen and Jim Lehane. Uh, before we get into things tonight, I just want to thank everybody for uh, being with us this long. This marks our one-year anniversary since the podcast first started, which is really cool. Uh, this Woo. is going to be our 14th episode that we record, and I believe Jim informed us at some point in the past that most podcasts don't make it past episode 10. So, yay for us. We did it. We, we are patting ourselves on the back right now. Mm-hmm. If only we had video, oh. you could see us all Hold on. just Hold on. celebrating. There it is. There it is. <laughs> That's the bat. <laughs> I think I hurt my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> He's not as flexible as he used to be. Oh, I'm old now. It's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, looking back um, at Adventures in Poor Taste um, slash podcasts uh, slash Star Wars in Poor Taste or just AIPTcomics.com, you can find us there. Uh, I'm looking at our section on the site and just going back through our old episodes where we have um, talking about Resistance when it first came out, uh, when we first did the Void VR experience for Star Wars, we talked about the the Legendary Christmas special. Yes, that's still one of my favorite episodes we've done. That, that was Christmas a really special. fun episode. <laughs> it's oh, really? Now it's fun? Because it's... When, when I made you guys watch it, you didn't sound like you were having too much fun. <laughs> let, let me just say, I can't wait to watch everybody in my, or to make everybody in my family watch it this year. In retrospect, it, it was fun. At the time, it was really difficult and challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've had some great guests. We had Holly uh, Frey from... Fry. Fry, excuse me. I always do that. Sorry, Holly. Uh, from Full of Sith. We had Heather Antoson, former uh, Marvel Star Wars editor. We talked Rise of Skywalker's first teaser trailer, Star Wars Celebration. Uh, we've reviewed a couple of books now, Alphabet Squadron and two Thrawn books, I believe, at this point. Uh, I think our first episode, we actually touched on the last Thrawn book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we broke down uh, the D23 Expo. And our latest episode, which actually dropped today, uh, we talked about the newest Thrawn book, Treason. So yeah, t- Today as we're recording. Yeah. And and I believe I still need, like, like I told you guys before the show, I still need to listen to the Thrawn episode because it came out today and I didn't have time to listen to it yet. But I believe we have brought up the Mandalorian every single episode we have done. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's more so than The Rise of Skywalker, than The Last Jedi, than Solo, than anything. We have talked about the Mandalorian every episode. And in less than two months, we'll actually be talking about it as, after we've watched it, which is pretty damn exciting. Oh, and and speaking of all our episodes, I, I just wanted to uh, to note that we have our first write-in uh, email. <laughs> do we now? Yes, yes, we do. And here, let me re- let me read the email at the, the top of the show. <laughs> this was after our um, not our trivia show, the show we did be- right before that one. Which one was that one? Uh, that was the D23 recap. Oh, the, oh yeah, the D23 recap. It, it says, why was there no mention of pod racing in the D23 recap show? Sincerely, <laughs> not Connor's dad. <laughs> I realize so, that's so... I don't know. I don't know who wrote that. 
Um, but it was I, clearly not Connor's dad. Definitely not anybody I knew. Um, I did realize while we were like, so for those who don't know a little behind the scenes, we did the D23 recap and the trivia episode back to back. We recorded it all in one night. And I realized as we were starting the trivia episode, oh no, I haven't made a, I didn't make a pod racing reference. I haven't made one all night. So I made sure to squeeze one in, in, in the trivia episode. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 12 for 14 with uh, prod racing references because I wasn't on the last uh, Thrawn episode, but I, I you know, I got to step it up. I need to be better when it comes to the pod racing references. And to that, to that write-in uh, audience member, to that fan, I apologize. I, I, whoever I, that may be, whoever it is, I definitely don't know them, but I understand my responsibility to uphold the the uh, quality that is pod racing fandom. And well, hold on a sec. I, I could do better. I could pod do racing was mentioned last episode. There it is. Whoever oh. was, was it, Muff? Was it one of you two? Who, no, it was who? me. I got a uh, my smuggler's bounty box oh, was pod oh, uh, pod yeah. racing themed. I did see that you showed us on Slack, and it was beautiful. Um, but you know, if if I can make a pod racing stand out of JJ, I can, you know, it's it's only a matter of time before everybody's a pod racing stand. So I have faith in myself. All right. Uh, before we get into the news here, Connor, I believe you wanted to start off our special anniversary episode by possibly pissing off all of our listeners with hot <laughs> takes. Yeah, so we we figured one year in, you know, we're we try to be kind of tame. I don't know if we've really like said anything too inflammatory over the last year. So why not with our our yearly celebration episode? Why not start with some hot takes? Um, and a hot take is something that I view as um, something that's, like I said, inflammatory. Something that's going to make people upset that you believe, but you also know that other people aren't going to like. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure of opinion. So I will start um, and let you two roast me for it or agree with me, whatever it is. Uh, and my take is I believe wholeheartedly that Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. Um... I don't think that's a super hot take. I think that movie is utterly fantastic. It like I really we before we have our guest on, we don't have time to like really dig into the nitty gritty of that. Um, but I know a lot of people that have Rogue One in their top, uh, you know, top three films of all time. Mm-hmm. I and for- off the bat, I can't say I agree with that, but I also am not gonna vehemently disagree with you. Yeah, it's it's uh, I believe one of my wife's uh, one of her favorite ones because she came out of the Force Awakens going that was okay. It was kind of a remake of um, A New Hope. I'm like, okay, I wasn't expecting that coming from her. And then uh, she comes out of Rogue One going, that's more what I was hoping for um, in in this new era of Star Wars movies, the so more action packed adventure uh, movie, and. For anybody who's not a, a real fan, I, I can I can see them picking that as their favorite one. I think I think a, a lot of Connor just walked of, right past your day. I, I, I know. I, I, <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. Oh, oh, you're calling me not a real fan. Oh, that hurts. But has some merit, I guess. Well, th- see, and that's why this is a hot take, because I'm sure there are people who are going to say like any and like I have one of my oldest friends in the world. Um, I'm actually staying with him for New York Comic Con. Him and I, one of the the few things that we have always agreed on is Star Wars. Until Rogue One came out. He's a diehard Star Wars fan. He he went and saw it and he was like, that movie was absolute trash. And I remember being completely taken aback and thinking, 
dude, that that is one of my favorite Star Wars movies ever. Uh, not just Star Wars, but that is one of my favorite movies ever. And kind of for uh, what you were saying, your your wife said, Jim, is that it's just it's super original, and it's the first Star Wars movie that is pretty gritty and and very grounded in the actual conflict, and shows this this duality to the war where. The rebels, yes, you're rooting for them, and they're ultimately fighting for a good goal, but they have nefarious tactics, and I like that, that that gray area that they expose. So um, I also know that Dave Hildebrand, our toy editor at AAPT Comics, he absolutely hates this movie. Um, so he influenced my decision on this being a hot take as well. But uh, yeah, that's mine. Is I, I absolutely love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is, for me, is my third favorite Star Wars movie. It's right behind... The original Star Wars and Empire, and then- all right. Yep. Are you ready for mine? I can't wait to hear yours. When looking at these two characters from a film perspective, Captain Phasma is a much better character than Boba Fett. <laughs> I'm going to defer outrage to Jim for a moment. <laughs> I well, I can't talk right now. I just had a, like a muscle spasm, and it, uh, like my <laughs> neck just tweaked. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I. I, I mean. That's uh, one of them's definitely got way cooler armor, and I would say it's Boba Fett. And I know that's like the de facto Boba Fett argument, but as cool as Phasma's armor is, it's just stormtrooper armor but shiny. Whereas at least Boba Fett was like, you saw that and you're like, wow, that dude is badass. That guy is cool. Phasma, you went like, wow, the chick from Game of Thrones is super shiny now. That's that's my initial reaction. But I'll, I'll, Jim, Jim, hopefully you've recovered from your aneurysm. And you can, you can speak more eloquently. <laughs> I just feel like, I, I guess, yes, I, I grew up in the realm of Boba Fett was super, super awesome. And so they expanded on him in the books. They expanded on him in the comics. He looks super awesome. And so he was super awesome. And But when you pull away the legends, you're kind of left with not much there, um, even though he is, did get expanded upon in episode two and in the Clone Wars. And theoretically, we may see him again at some other point. I can't imagine they won't throw him in again at some, um, maybe during the Kenobi show or something. Um, but yeah, but even then, with Phasma, there's still not much there. She was not in The Force Awakens much. She didn't do much there. And she also didn't do much in The Last Jedi. So I guess we'll have to see in The Rise of Skywalker if she, A, comes back. Uh, which I can't imagine she won't, and B, if uh, she redeems her character from being beaten down twice quite easily. And and might I add, who she gets beaten down by is is a janitor, like a, le- a legitimate janitor, and I'm sorry if any of our listeners are janitors, but janitors are not normally renowned for their skills as fighters or wars. And that's he, who Phasma... she got. She got tackled by Chewie. I, but still, ultimately, her downfall is is Finn, and and as much as I like Finn as a character, I don't think of Finn as one of the you know the preeminent you know excellent warriors and fighters of Star Wars. Where at least Boba Fett, he got taken down by you know the crew of Lando, Han, and Luke. So at least he went down to a cooler foe, is what I'm getting at. Like at least when Boba Fett died, it was like, well, you know, he kind of lost to the All Star team, whereas Phasma, you know. She lost to the the kid riding the bench. So when you say all-star team, you mean somebody that accidentally hit him in the back, right? 
he was he could see shades of light and dark. <laughs> His vision had gotten much better, JJ. Yeah, a blind guy accidentally whacked him. Oh, that you is You okay, don't like know. A team. A team, guys. Uh, All right. right All right. You. Do you want mine? <laughs> Go right ahead, please. All right. So, my hot take is more of uh, against the the legends crowd that says that uh that that Luke Skywalker was destroyed in the last Jedi and I my hot take is that I think Luke Skywalker was done better in the last Jedi than he was in all of legends my god that is a hot take I think that is a hot take <laughs> mostly because uh of what I know of the the last Jedi uh critiques is that they don't like the way but what I can say is it, you know the the little amount of legends that I know of I never thought was really that good. Like there is good stuff in legends. Don't get me wrong, but I think a fair amount of it is not good. Like doesn't Chewie die because of like an avalanche or something like that in legends. Um, um, moon fell on him. Thank yeah, you very much. There is a lot of absurdity in legends that I, I was one of those people when they wiped away legends. I was like, that's eh, probably a good thing, honestly. So as hot as that is, because people hate the way Luke was portrayed in the last Jedi so much. I think I could, I could tepidly agree with that. Also, I don't hate the way that Luke was portrayed in The Last Jedi that much anyway. Um, but I think you are right. That is a hot. That might be the hottest take out of the three of us. I think You're, it definitely is. And yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, it was initially super shocking and disappointing to me because, you, you know, you have Luke Skywalker, who is a hero to so many people that's, you know, in all these legends books been portrayed as this warrior priest and basically a superhero yeah just like this unstoppable jedi master the strongest jedi ever like eventually stronger than yoda mace windu anakin arguably palpatine arguably everybody he just gets to this point where he um and several at several different occasions becomes one with the force and it's basically like a god and unstoppable and you know i am one of those people that Played the video games, the trading card games, collected the figures, watched all the movies, read all the books, read the comics, and knowing that he was coming back was just like, oh my god, we're gonna get to see Luke, like the grown Jedi Knight, like screwing, you know, messing people up with his lightsaber and force powers, and then it's the complete opposite. That that is really was really a shock. It was like having the rug pulled out from under you. But, uh, like, when you think about it, it makes sense, because who were his teachers? His two teachers that he had, both failed at what they were doing, both went into hiding, so Luke did exactly as his teachers had done. Yeah. Like, Yoda basically lost one battle and then doomed the entire galaxy to darkness. He's like, well, I can't do this. Oh, well, I'm going to go into hiding. Yeah. And it's, like, exactly what he... It, he basically did what he was taught to do you're 100 right and after i processed it i was like okay there, there's a lot of reasons for this that do make sense but when you initially see it it was a really it was you know being dunked into a you know a tank of ice water and it was not fun i i wholeheartedly agree with both of you actually i think jj's right my initial reaction was like oh i wanted to see him do these cool things and like take down a whole hallway of stormtroopers all basically i wanted a luke skywalker scene that was going to be exactly like rogue one uh or going to be exactly like the darth vader rogue one scene and i didn't get it but i do think jim is right that it's like well i mean 
that is what Jedi's do is they they learn the Jedi ways, they become a master, they eventually fail, and then they go into hiding. That's what they all do. I am just laughing though that we we are I think all three of us are proponents of of you know moving on past the last Jedi. That, you know, you can have your opinion about it, that's fine, but there's other stuff to, to focus on. And here we are discussing The Last Jedi <laughs> still. And it's been two years. Which some would say makes it a great movie. If we're still talking about it, that makes it a good movie. I just, I love the fact that it's like, oh my god, we will never get away from talking about this movie. Well, you know, there's talking about it, you know, like we are, like, constructively. And, and then there's people that are just like, it's the worst ever. It ruined the franchise. Like, there's a difference between the two <laughs> schools of thought there. Agreed, yeah. And we, we, are, we are an example of the, the very civil conversation that you can have about The Last Jedi. You don't need to scream and argue about it. All right. So for our special guest today, I'd like to introduce uh, someone I've known for a little while. I was first introduced to him kind of haphazardly by a friend of ours uh, named Chris Travas, who's an artist with Star Wars. He had mentioned a couple of celebrations ago that he had a, a friend who was at Celebration who brought his new company, uh, Regal Robot, there. And he had a whole bunch of new Star Wars stuff. And I, I walked over to the, the booth and the booth was pretty cool. It had... Um, I believe a do-back couch and some really awesome looking Mandalorian skulls that kind of uh, were for the, the Boba Fett Mandalorian design turned into a real skull. And then following that celebration, I had actually seen this, uh, this regal robot pop up again at my local Salt Lake Comic Con. Uh, now Fan X or whatever it's called, uh, whatever it was called then. Um, and so I introduced myself to uh, Tom Spina, who is the, the the owner or runner of Regal Robot and Tom Spina Designs. And uh, we got to be talking for a while. And so we, I'm so happy that we get to have uh, Tom on tonight to talk about his work with Star Wars and uh, just kind of chat about uh, his experience with Galaxy's Edge. Thank you so much. That was a, a very lovely intro. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. So, Tom, uh, I, I have been aware that you have done a little work for Galaxy's Edge. Uh, is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a filthy lie. I don't know who told you. <laughs> That's fake news. It's, it's, the, it's, the, <laughs> it's, it's the internet. You never know what you can find there. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we've been really lucky when it comes to, so look, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, at past mid forties at this point, I w I am first generation OG star Wars fan. Um, I, I like how you said that past mid forties. I I'm past mid twenties. I'm just, I'm very past mid twenties. <laughs> I'm, I'm past mid twenties. Maybe. Yeah. So saying that there you go. <laughs> I'm not lying, but uh, no, I mean, I, for me, uh, making Star Wars stuff is like some of the earliest memories I have of, of creating and doing stuff was just revolved around creating or recreating things I saw in these movies that captured my imagination. And um, I, I feel just so lucky uh, over the years to have so many opportunities. We've done everything from 
you know, recreating the cantina and making all these aliens for commercials and for Lucasfilm and for videos and things like that, making tour costumes of their Chewbacca's, making, uh, restoring original props that were used in the movies uh, for both collectors and auction houses and stuff like that, but even for the Lucasfilm archives, which is an absolute dream come true um, for any monster kid, but especially for, you know, someone who watched uh, things like from Star Wars to Jedi, the making of a saga and that whole Phil Tippett segment with the, you know, them making the creatures for Return of the Jedi and just sitting there at like 10 or 11 years old and, and trying to figure out what was happening in there. And then to be able to, to make stuff like that and have it be um, part of, I guess, now sort of the mythology of Star Wars. It's just it's it's dream come true stuff i mean there's there's just no two ways around it and i'm also a massive disney park nerd um my wife and i go all the time i've been going since i was a kid and um and it's funny we all had um if i'm going too long or off topic someone stop me (laughs) (laughs) no keep going (laughs) but uh you know so we all a lot of people i know had that phase where they went from like you know it was fun going when you were six and seven with your folks, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then you got to be like, oh, it's too cool. I don't want to go to Disney World, you know, whatever. I never got to that age. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 33, still not there yet. Mid-20s have, uh, have gotten past it. I'm, I'm barely past mid-20s, but even even now, my, my brother took me to Disneyland for my 26th birthday, which was like three weeks ago, and I, and I was like, this is the best birthday present I've had in years, and it was the first time I've been to the park uh, since I was 14, so I'm still, I'm, I, I completely agree with you, like that, the, the wonder never, never fades. No, and it's funny too, because it's like, I, I remember there being this little lull where it was like it wasn't cool for a little while. And granted, this is also when it was just like Magic Kingdom and Epcot, you know? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like trying to think of uh, like wrapping your age around with the parks. I'm like, Animal Kingdom opened at, in 99. So I'm like, you must be talking about mid 90s when it kind of had that dip down. Talking more mid 80s, but yeah. But yeah, so then you get into like 89. I remember uh, MGM opening and going down there and we weren't sure because of no internet, no way to know what you were going to see. Um, you know, I whatever went, the travel agent told you when you bought the tickets and the tour, you know? Yeah, I, w- I was down in Disney World in 89. Maybe we bumped into each other. Maybe. I, I, I was I was eight. So <laughs> I probably wouldn't have talked to you. I was like 16, 17. Uh, <laughs> but the, um, I remember going down not knowing if, the if star tours was going to be open and coming around the corner and it was open and seeing the ad at and it was doing the it had the little pew pew kind of thing i didn't curse that was actually the sound of the blast but um for folks at home i've been told that's what happens when someone curses so i don't know uh but family friendly (laughs) that's right but and, and so I was over the moon that I was going to get to go on that ride. And then to go through the queue and see the conveyor belt with parts of real robots that I, I wasn't sure if they were from the movie or not. And it turns out a lot of that stuff was actually used in the movies. And then some of it was recreated off of molds from pieces in the movies. And just looking at all the droids around and stuff. And, oh, my goodness, my brain melted. And I got into the, the gift shop and there's a Darth Vader, you know, real costume behind the grating and then there was a stormtrooper costume behind more grading off in the corner and um 
just mind blowing to see that stuff. And and this was just perfect timing for me. It had, I had come around and, and my sort of, you know, building skills had gotten better and, and I was making all kinds of stuff. I was into puppetry and puppets and all this other stuff that we were doing. And it just fueled so much imagination. And I came back from that trip, like just reinvigorated. I wound up going every year after that with uh, a buddy of mine from from high school that we used to make uh, movies and things together. And we were going to college together for TV and film. And um, we used to go down every year. And I remember, I, I want to say it was the next trip down, the building just passed Star Tours, which uh, became uh, Pizza Planet or whatever it was. Now it's Pizza Rizzo. Um, mm-hmm. That was just an empty building at the time, this empty brick building. And it was a prop tour one year. And we walked in and the first thing you saw on the left hand side, I'm remembering this all vividly. I wish I had photos, but we only had 24 pictures on the roll when we went. So we were able to snap like we do with our phones. Um, That's for the young guy. So uh, anyway, the um, (laughs) on the left going in was uh, mine cars, life size mine cars from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with life size dummies of thuggy cards. And some of the animals from the train at the beginning of Last Crusade. And they had two speeder bikes and they had some Death Star panel pieces. Um, there were some Rocketeer pieces, I remember. But I remember vividly turning the corner and being face to face with a Cantina band member mask. And I was obsessed and still am with the Cantina. <laughs> and to be in the presence of like it just instantly i knew it was the real deal too you know it's like there's there's this special vibe that real props have and um it just really took me and i used one of my 24 photos on that mask and i still have that picture that's awesome that's awesome just incredible to me and and eventually i got to meet the fella who made those for the movie doug beswick and i got to know him a bit and heard stories about you know working on the film and things like that and um and it's just and i of course had to have like oh it was you know i think i saw one of these mess and he remembered that that display and i'm like ah you know i mean i had the photo but still it was like ooh, it really happened (laughs) so i i want to i want to throw in that from your your knowledge of the of the cantina that you uh, for the last couple of celebrations and other conventions, including the Salt Lake Convention, is that you actually do a behind the scenes of the the Cantina band members and the whole Cantina and stuff. It's and yeah, it's a, a bit of a deep dive. Yeah, it <laughs> it, it, it is a phenomenal like like in depth analysis of everything of everybody who played in the parts and like little like random things. Like I I still now uh, can't get your your call of the letters that are on the front of the cantina out of my head of <laughs> spaga yeah. spaga yeah <laughs> I, uh, it, it's one of those things like we never thought we'd know what was on that side so if for those who don't know what the heck we're talking about um by we i mean you the uh the, <laughs> when they walked into the cantina there's a lighted sign over the door on the exterior of the cantina and you can barely see it in the movie and for years, uh, Pablo Hidalgo from Lucasfilm and I used to, we've, we've been doing these deep dive cantina panels. Uh, please come say hi to us at one of them at, uh, at the next celebration. Um, and we always wondered what the heck that sign said. And um, 
we went through all of the images in Lucasfilm's archive. We went through private archives. We had someone who had done a 4K scan of one of the negatives who had gotten us a photo from a, a shot where they're just pulling away from the sand troopers, where you can see the cantina in the background. And we were able to blow that up and actually see some of it. Uh, and there was a little bit of it clear from one Lucasfilm image. The most we got was like sort of this S sort of shape and sort of a P sort of shape. But we had nothing else. Weirdly, it didn't say Spina. I don't know. I was hoping. <laughs> but uh, Roger Christian, who actually did, you know, all the props and stuff for the movie, uh, he had a photo that he had kept because it showed the back end of a dewback, which is kind of fun. Um <laughs> But in that same image, the sign wasn't lit, but you could make out what the other two forms were. And the, the shapes of the letters kind of look like SPGA, which I, <laughs> I forget what it was. Somebody, somebody on our Facebook page, on the Regal Robot Facebook page, was like, some patrons get angry. And I was like, yeah, that's actually, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, I like that. That's great. Well, so I was gonna, I was gonna ask you how confident you were that that the, that was an S, because I'm like, I could see the the P G and A, the S is stretching it for me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's just they're just forms, but um, but they're still kind of cool, and they did a lot of stuff like the Docking Bay '94 symbol, is a stylized take on an actual '94. You know, so maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Um, the the, we actually got to do a version of that sign for someone's uh, personal, like for the man cave uh, they had bought from Regal Robot, where we do all this custom furniture and stuff like that, as well as now custom characters. We're building uh, a custom character for that guy as well. But the uh, we did a whole bunch of cantina inspired living room furniture for this fella and also a spaga sign. So um, <laughs> anyway, I feel like we're slightly off topic going back. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's a, let me bring this in, guys. Uh, no, but going back to the parks, yeah, I'm a massive nerd of the parks, big, big fan. And uh, we were asked to make just a few small prop type pieces initially and uh, um, you know, things that wound up in uh, Dhaka Andars. Is that the one, Den of Antiquities? That um, is right. It yes. had a different yep. name early on. Uh, so the... There were a few things we were going to do for uh, another area. Then those got moved into docks. And then uh, we wound up working on a, a, a bunch of big things for the cantina, which was neat. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, to so, you know, you flash you, if you're talking Hollywood Studios, which to me was just was my favorite park when it first opened. It's kind of stayed my favorite park along the way, even with all the different changes and, and things that's gone through. Um you know, with the addition of Galaxy's Edge, it really cements itself as, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, this is your park. <laughs> um, and I, I feel I feel Galaxy's Edge is a much better fit in Hollywood Studios than it is in Disneyland. Like a lot of the pushback I hear about Ga Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland is like it's, it's not it doesn't fit here. It fit better in California Adventure. Why do they put it here? Whereas it, in Hollywood Studios, it, it just uh, it's a perfect like. It, that 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 is true because yeah you you walk in and 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 I, this is a compliment I mean this in a good way is you you walk into the park and you do immediately feel like you're no longer at Disneyland you feel like you're in a completely you feel like you were in Star Wars and I mean that in the best possible way like it it I remember I went with my brother and his girlfriend which was a very weird crew um, but I remember telling them on the drive up like listen 
you guys both like Star Wars, but I don't think you understand. Like, I, this is, Star Wars is basically everything to me. It is my life. I'm gonna cry. Like, I understand I'm a grown man, but there there are going to be actual tears. And I was trying really hard, like, just just get through it. And then, you know, I go through, I walk past, like, the, the droid refinery where there's you know and you see all the droids outside i'm like oh that's really cool and you know i look at the first order transport and a guy gives you know i'm i'm like uh i'm like billy madison in the class of kindergartners where there's a bunch of little kids around me but i'm staring at this guy with this giant grin on my face and i know he's thinking like look at this kid like this grown man in the middle of all these children loving it and you know i'm doing fine you know not getting emotional and then um walk past Ogus cantina and you see see the falcon <laughs> and i like i couldn't handle it like i i ran up as close as i could i'm like looking underneath things like my brother and i are arguing about um where the escape craft would go and like whether or not somebody could actually fit in all these things and then all of a sudden like i feel like a little bit of moisture go down my cheek and i'm like oh, i'm sweating uh <laughs> and then i t- i take off my glasses and i realize i'm like oh no those are tears <laughs> like i'm <laughs> I'm, act- I'm like actually kind of crying right now <laughs> yeah so i mean it was just it it really is it is a a transformative experience and i do understand that criticism doesn't necessarily fit it it, it it's almost a victim of its own excellence it's so good and so much throws you into the universe of star wars that it, it doesn't feel right at disney i could yeah i could see it the um in in hollywood studios it works better in that regard although it is interesting i mean when you are when you exit that land, um, and this is not a knock on the rest of the park, it's just how far the bar was raised by, um, you know, guys like Eric Baker, who was in charge of sort of the, the the dressing of the land, so to speak, all of the props, all of the all of the extra stuff in the store that's not for sale. Um, <laughs> uh, Which a wait, lot is for sale, by the way. If people right, don't know. Yeah. There's a ton for sale. His his team was. I got to visit you know, a few times while they were working on the land, unbelievably good at what they were doing and instantly knew like, oh, these guys are us. Like these guys get it. And and the visual language of Star Wars and the not just the distressing of the pieces and the weathering and stuff, but the type of weathering and all of that was just done to such a T and uh, and just how densely themed all of the areas are is oh, it's so absurd. impressive. Yeah, um, it's, it's and it, but it's weird because you leave that land, and all of a sudden it feels a little like, oh, did they forget to theme this? What's going on? And it's not. <laughs> I mean, it is themed. It's beautiful, but it's just you're walking out of something that is so immersive and so heavily themed that it really is almost a little it's a weird transition i think going just coming back to reality so to speak. it's As not a it, knock on the rest of the park but i was definitely ready to leave when we finally left uh galaxy's edge we spent eight hours in there and oof. <laughs> yeah it was a long day but it was amazing and once we left and we're going through i mean we did rock and roller coaster because we had a fast pass set up for it but after that i was like okay i can go now this is the best day i've ever had <laughs> Yeah, I think when I went, um, so like I said, it was me, my brother, and his girlfriend. Uh, we spent like probably like three hours in the park to start, and then we went to other parts of the park, and then like they were not feeling good, so they went back to the car, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go, 
you know, I'm going to go back to Star Wars, Star Wars Land solo. Um, so I think I ended up spending a good, like, five hours. And I, I think I spent, I would say, not, I went, so I went to Doc Ondar's twice. And I would say, like, Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities was probably my favorite part of the whole park. Um, despite the fact that the Millennium Falcon ride is pretty sweet. Um, and I remember I went in there at first. I spent, like, 20 minutes in there just looking at the various things you could buy. And then when I came back later in the day, I just sat in the middle of the shop and looked at everything you could see that was obviously not for sale and that was at the top. Just like, just just looking at all all the various things that like, yeah, if you if only seen the movies or if you're not super into Star Wars, you may not recognize anything. But like, you know, if you've if you've read the books or you've read the comics or you've watched Rebels or Resistance whatever if you've really dove into star wars there's so many things that you can be like oh my god i can't believe they have that here that's incredible it's a doc Condors was the amount of detail and the amount of like real life easter eggs that were in there was just oh it's 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 staggering and it was i, I like i want to go back now and just stay and almost like just like grab people and be like so what you don't know is that is actually you know this this and that it was so cool yeah the and and just knowing the people that worked on this and being some of the people that worked on this the 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 fact that that stuff is in there i mean is first off no accident but the level of detail that's put into everything that's in that shop is equivalent to if it was going to get a hero close up in a movie you know yeah. like you look at these props and they held us to a standard where it was you know little tiny details were questioned and pushed and and you know really um just plussed up and made to be as good as these pieces could possibly be and just i have such respect for that whole process and for what they pulled off on that stuff it's just you could go in and with a a proper camera and zoom in and take nice close-ups of any prop in that place and they're as good as any of the movie props in fact they're better than most of the movie props because yeah, it, you know, it's unbelievable. Seen real movie props knows they're usually a little dodgy. <laughs> it, it really did set a new bar. Like my girlfriend and I are big Harry Potter fans and uh, we really enjoy Harry Potter world. And that to me prior to galaxy's edge was the bar for how good and immersive you can make a park. Actually diagonally. Yes. Yeah. It's the best part walking in and looking up the street and seeing all the shops and, you know, the dragon on top of Gringotts. Like, it's just such a wonderful, immersive experience. We love it. It was also Eric Baker who who did the dressing on that land as well. Well, so, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a, a density to his work that definitely carries over to both. Um, and just a level of detail that's absolutely second to none, in my opinion. I just, yeah. oh God, such respect for those. And it, I think the, what put Galaxy's Edge over the top for me was, um, the cast. The cast was absolutely fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. of course the details were mind blowing and, uh, walking, boarding the Falcon for the first time and seeing the, um, the, you know, the bench or the couch area with the, um, the chess table. That's what got the tears for me the first time. I uh, sprinted it, over to that couch. Like, yeah, I was like same. pushing small children out of the way. Like, get, I, I need to sit here. I need to sit here. Yeah. And, I just pushed the, 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 uh, 
phone into my girlfriend's hands and was like, picture, please. Yeah, I did the same thing with um, my brother's girlfriend. I was like, please take a picture of me right now. Yeah, but prior to Harry Potter World, I had never experienced something like this, and this definitely surpassed it for me. And as you guys were saying, the level of detail was just so astoundingly good. But then on top of that, you had an interactive cast that was always in character. Every person I asked for their backstory had it. It was good. And then... I had just started the uh, Batu books, the Galaxy's Edges books, and I recognized the rebel spy from the cover, and she's running around being chased by stormtroopers. And, you know, I'm seeing Rey interacting with people. I flashed my Jedi Order tattoo at two First Order troopers, and they came over and said, Rebel activity detected, and got in my face about it. It just, oh man, it was just so wonderful. I can't say enough good things. What'd you say? You should have thrown down, you know? Then immediately, yeah. like, grabbed <laughs> they one were of the big, toy lightsabers and like, let's do this. All right. <laughs> they were big. I was impressed that either they had very high platforms in their boots or they picked, like, really big people to play those troopers. Um, I, I The one thing, the, the one thing I, I wish, so, like I said, uh, you know, the people I went with are they like Star Wars, but they're not like diehard fans. So I didn't, I didn't get to do what, what you did, JJ. I felt weird, like, interacting with, with the park cast when I knew the people I was with weren't really into it. So that is something I want next time I go, I do, I do want to, you know, talk to people more and talk to the cast more and find out as much as I can. But I do remember seeing the, the resistance spy from the books um, just cause I recognized her from the cover walking around and I was like, oh, we should go talk to her. And my brother was like, no, we're going to leave. I was like, no, no, I want to find out what she's doing. So I, I, I think you're totally right that I, I and I've, I've read stories of people who, They've gone in and and they've had like these quests essentially where like they spend two hours in in Galaxy's Edge because they're interacting and they're they're like meeting objectives and all these crazy things. So everything about it is just astoundingly awesome. Uh, so Tom, what would you say as a fan your favorite part about the experience was? Who? Oh, uh, well, uh, I mean, for for me. It really is all about the theming, um, and that's that's kind of the way I am with any of the parks. Um, I I just I love going into a space and knowing that someone had to make all this, and knowing that someone had to pull it all together and plan it out, and that none of this is an accident, um, and just just uh, absorb the effort that went into all of that. So for me, it's about just the overall theming of the land, the layout, the the flow of it, the feel of everything in the, in that park is just so good. Um, and obviously, I think the 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 close second is just the Falcon itself. Um, you know, that's just an amazing thing to be around, and it's pretty darn cool that they went for it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and that's it that is. can kind of be tied back into like just the theming of the park, since the Falcon is like a giant prop in the middle of the park. True. Um, it, it's kind of a, it's just hard to believe that it's it's real and it's there when you see it. It's just the first time you see it, it blows your mind. You're like, they actually built the Falcon, and then you just sit there and wonder how they did it because it's so perfect. It's it's really really good. Um, but yeah, and then I mean. I there I have other favorite elements, but just in terms of like as a fan, I think that's that's got to be it for me. 
Yeah, and I, I can't wait till the Rise of the Resistance opens up because I, I haven't been to the parks yet. I'm going in January for the marathon weekend. So uh, fingers crossed they had said that Rise of the Resistance will be open. Um, cool. But uh, but, but that, 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 that can change, clearly. Um, but uh, I've heard the theming in that part of the park is just uh, uh, top-notch and phenomenal. I'm, I'm really anxious to see how that turns out as well. Yeah. yeah, it's a good excuse for me to convince my girlfriend we have to go back for a weekend. <laughs> uh, I, I think for me, it's it's really hard to pick a favorite, but uh, building my lightsaber, uh, I mean, the whole immersion of the park was probably, you know, just being there was my favorite. But if I had to pick like a specific experience that I had, uh, I think building my lightsaber, like the whole ceremony, the cast how everything went down picking my kyber crystal uh it was just magical it uh, every single person in that room when it was you know when when you light your saber either had tears in their eyes or the biggest smile on their face that you know they've probably ever had it was just pure magic that 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 picture of you jj uh igniting the lightsaber for the first time is just it's pure joy like you should almost make that your Christmas card. It's it's so happy and wholesome. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 when you sent that to us, I was like, I, so I didn't I didn't do the lightsaber experience mostly because I did not budget enough uh, for for that. But uh, I I now next time I go I have to do it because you you just I'm looking at it now. You literally just look so happy. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend uh, was wonderful. She I I didn't think to ask her because I was just so entranced by the whole thing. But she took a bunch of pictures and videos uh, and I don't want to dive too much into the details because I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't done it yet. Um, but it is, I think, out of all the things I spent money on in my life, I think I feel like I got the most value and enjoyment. And as you said, just pure joy out of that experience. It was just start to finish. Disney did such an incredible job and the props themselves they're not um plastic they don't feel cheap like if you remove the blade and you're holding just the hilt like it's metal it feels there's got yeah yeah we didn't get to do the experience because we were there it was still um it was a, a vendor preview when we were there um but the uh we did get to go through and they did you know kind of hand us the pieces to mess with and stuff like that <laughs> So they they just teased you. <laughs> you got the teaser trailer edition of the the lightsaber experience. Look what you could get if you actually paid money and came back. <laughs> now, if you put all these little things together, imagine how cool it will be. <laughs> and yeah, where we keep the kyber crystals. With <laughs> if if I can spoil one little thing for, you, is it okay, guys? If I tell you one little detail, go, go for it. I'm fine. I so, want no more. Teach me. <laughs> I, I won't say anything beyond this, but when they take the kyber crystals out to let you select yours, when you look behind them where they're being held and they pull them out, they're in the vehicle, like the container from Rogue One that the, you know, um, Saw Gerrera's um, rebel insurgency, when they attack the stormtroopers. Like the, in the cylinders, City. right? Yes, they're in those. Oh such a nice little detail i probably so would never cool. even caught that through the park where you just you, you you know you find elements that are being reused in some cool way which that actually reminds me because um they were sold out when i was there and i was really upset uh 
Oga's Cantina, um, which is an experience all in its own. They should. I almost think they should just open Oga's Cantinas everywhere. Like open it outside the park. Just just give people a Star Wars Cantina to go to. But when I was there, the big thing I was looking forward to was like the one thing that I knew like I'm gonna spend money on this is I was gonna get the the beer flight with the Rancor teeth. Because I thought that was so cool. Like, I'm like, I can go home with this awesome set of Rancor teeth. Like, I'm not even going to drink out of them again. I'm just going to put it up in my room. And they were completely, completely sold out. So that was that was like the one experience I was really looking forward to that I kind of missed out on. But I did like the fact that when, when I talked to the waitress and she had told me there wasn't any. Like, it was not just like, oh, sorry, we ran out. She goes, no, there was a... A bunch of smugglers came in last night, and they uh, actually took <laughs> off our Rancor teeth, so we don't really know what to do. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, They went that extra mile to be like, we're going to make up some like in-universe excuse as to why we don't have these. Um, it was awesome. It was- uh, t- Tom, um, I know that with uh, Disney in general and the, the Lucasfilm team, that everything in the park is pure Star Wars. It, it's come from the Star Wars universe. You're in Star Wars while you're there, that nobody else helped make this stuff. But when when you, you had helped with some of the stuff there, did they ask for specific items that they wanted? Or was it just like, we we need stuff, we know you're good at making this, what what can you contribute sort of thing? Um, it, it's there. There was definitely a little like, you know, um, hey, what are your capabilities? Hey, do you have molds? This sort of this and that. But for the most part, they came to us with very specific needs. And their design team, I, I mean, what you see, none of it's an accident. You know, none of it is the uh, a, a matter of um, they happened upon stuff. I mean, there's I'm sure there's some of that. And there is I, I you know, there's there's stuff people are sort of starting to spot that are you know, reused elements from defunct rides and things like that, where they were able to incorporate stuff like that. Um, but the, um, you know, the overall look and style and, and all of the elements they're going for, they were very specific in what they needed and where and how they were going to use it. And sometimes how they were going to use it would change. Sometimes the location would change. Sometimes things would get added or dropped. But, um but yeah, it's forethought and it's planning and it's it's designing at just the highest level of geekery. You know, yeah, uh, that, those the, the, Easter eggs are not. It's it's not like someone else had to come in and tell them to do that. That's the the coolest part. Yeah, and the reused rides is a that's a Disney hallmark. They've they 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 they've gone back <laughs> decades just kind of remixing and reusing pieces of rides. Rex is the the most prime example right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Tom, it's, it's you, uh, Oh, sorry, Connor. I, I was just gonna say it's it's almost a Star Wars uh like you know staple to to reuse things. So I I you know in a, in a way it's like yeah that you know that just adds to. <laughs> the, the, the lore and, and and you know really exactly exactly sorry jj go on no no, no i just want to ask tom uh we had mentioned ogas did you get to experience that yet uh so when we were there we did get to go through and we did get to hang out there for a good bit uh it was nine in the morning though at the time uh, so, <laughs> you know our uh our enjoyment was more of the surroundings that's it's it's five o'clock somewhere <laughs> that, that makes me feel uh a little self-conscious because i think when we went to oga's it was like 
maybe 1 p.m. on a Thursday. Oh, oh that's not that bad. <laughs> we went at two, and we got yeah. we got our drinks. Um, but they were sold out of the. We wanted the Ewok mug, but they said they were sold out of everything but the Porg mug. Oh my gosh! Oh, bummer. But the drinks were fantastic. The Outer so, Rim is just one of the best cocktails I've had. Period. Not just for a theme park. The, the JJ, you had the the fuzzy tauntaun, right? I did, which was a really fun experience. Yes, um, the the mouth thing. So like, uh, my my brother's a like a bartender by trade, so. He ruined it for me, and he told me, like, oh, it's actually, like, a really simple trick. And I was like, I, I, I don't care. Like, just let me take this drink. And the fact that, like, my, my mouth was numb for a good, like, 20 minutes. I thought that was awesome and, like, really, once again, cemented me in, in everything that the park was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah it was it was funny because um, I just went into it blind. I just um, – my girlfriend's the foodie, so she was looking up all the drinks and stuff for what to get because, you know, you only get two apiece. But – I just knew it. It's called the Fuzzy Tauntaun. Like, I got to order this thing. And, and, you know, you take the sip and it doesn't hit you initially. It's like 10 to 15 seconds later. You're like, wait a minute. My lips and tongue are starting to go numb. And it's just this tingly feeling. It's just so delightful. And there's just for the atmosphere, it just felt like you were at, in the cantina at, at Moss Eisley. You know, there's a robot DJ with Star Wars music playing. The bartenders were so good. They they played up their characters so well. And we got the um, the snack that you can get. And uh, I'm a vegetarian. So I was trying to ask him if there was meat in it. And he was <laughs> it was hilarious. He was doing his absolute best to try to answer the question in character. <laughs> and we had this hilarious back and forth. And he was just kind of winking at me to just be like, I, can't, I don't want to flat out say yes, it is. I'm just trying to answer you as... You know, as a character here, and it was just the 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 snacks were great. They were just the weirdest looking little kind of like um, chips and crackers. It was like a Chex mix basically, but they made it look like nothing that you would get anywhere else. Did you so, eat any of the other food at the uh, in the land? We did. Yeah, uh, we got a few snacks and. It's like even the bottles of water, you know, that was big online before the park opened with them and uh, Dasani and Coke and the logos. But um, all the food, they, you know, they went out of their way to put their little special flair and touch on it to make it unique. And yeah, um, we've talked about um, uh, Dak Ondar's, but just looking at the, um, the Kyber crystals and the holocrons and all of the merchandise in there it just it didn't just feel like you were in any old gift shop it just felt like you were buying stuff in the star wars universe as a part of it it was just so cool well, and there is specifically there's no star wars merchandise you know there's no action figures there's no short shirts that say star wars there's everything in batu is in universe even you know merchandise wise so you know, you can't find anything that says Star Wars unless you go to uh, the shop at uh, at Star Tours or I don't know if there's one in Landing Bay. But um, but yeah, inside the land, you can't you can't find like a Star Wars T-shirt there. I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. Kind of well, weird, but it's it's I get it. <laughs> yeah. That was like one of the coolest things about walking through the marketplace was like you said, you don't it. it you obviously feel like, yes, these are these are obviously shops where i'm supposed to buy things 
but it it didn't feel like this heavily branded Disney thing. It felt even even the the card readers like uh, for your credit card and like for your Apple Pay and stuff like that felt like it was in universe. Like I think Urabesh was on my card reader. Like when when I when I swiped my card, I was like, oh, like this is this is incredible. Like and and I, all I bought, I just bought a mug that said uh, Black Spire Outpost on it. it and you paid the, credits for it. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, credits will do fine here. Um, and I also, I was kind of laughing. Like I didn't buy it for this reason. I just wanted to get a mug, like some sort of coffee mug. Way too much coffee. I was like, oh, I'll get it. I'll get a Star Wars mug. Um, it was also the cheapest item in the park that I found <laughs> was this like little coffee, not even little, it's actually a pretty big mug, but like this coffee mug I found and I was like, oh cool, this also happens to be the only thing here that's not, you know, 30 bucks or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is crazy how there is little to no, there, I mean, obviously the whole park is branded, but there's little to no actual branding where you see like the Star Wars logo or you see anything at all. Every, it it just it they really delivered on their promise to make everything feel organic and real. It, it seems kind of anti like the way Disney operates too, in that uh, Disney makes so much money off of marketing and things that uh, that to have a specific part of the park that they know is a big draw and not have any of these materials is you know they're losing money on that just to maintain this um, th- this. Uh, illusion of a separate a separate world and i i find that commendable that they went to that length totally agree totally agree it's kind of a similar thing you see in harry potter world like you can even exchange your money there to buy gifts with wizard currency like that's incredible you know level of immersion and like the bazaar i i forget what the market is called in galaxy's edge but there's no signs you don't know what shop you're going. No, you into. just you just walk in and and you you're either going to like a textile shop or a toy shop or a shop that has uh you know little rodent creatures. I don't know if you guys saw that stand. That was oh, really yeah. cool. Um, it's just you you just walk in. And it's just it's just another part of the world. It's not it's not some overt push to make you buy things it's i mean it's just just, any naysayers of the park should know like it is they delivered on everything they said they would um even the millennium falcon ride delivered like um i don't know like uh jj and 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 tom did you guys get a get a chance to check out the ride Mm -hmm. uh what positions did you get to uh do tom uh i was the right side pilot so I was the guy who was taking us in and out of hyperspace. So you got the best spot. That's the best spot. <laughs> that is definitely the best. <laughs> I uh, I lucked out. I lucked out. It, it was a little. It was a little weird. I almost felt like I, I'd probably enjoy this ride more if there was just. I almost want less to do. Like just maybe I can just actually sit and enjoy. I felt like I was I was paying too much attention to whatever the guy was telling me to do on and off. It's like okay, guy, calm down. Like yeah, yeah, I know. Hit the <laughs> yeah, right, pilot. This he was barking at. He's like, ah, right, pilot, do this. Right, pilot, do that. And I'm like, yeah, right, pilot. Oh wait, that's me. Like I, just, <laughs> I was like, I was waiting on the other guy to do it. Um, it's why aren't life. you doing anything? Oh well. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, oh, that's me. me. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
I found the gunner position is the fir- perfect position to just enjoy the ride because yes. it has the least amount of responsibility. Shooting, you can just hit your button. You, you just keep yeah. hitting the button over. The second time I did the ride, all I did was I was the gunner, and all I did was just keep tapping the button and watched watched the whole ride go down. And I remember the girl in front of me, her uh, her Mickey Mouse ears got knocked off, and I caught him mid-ride, and then she crashed us into a wall. Stop focusing on your ears. Got us out of this canal. <laughs> the first jump into hyperspace was pretty magical, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. My my brother got to do the... Uh, he was the, the right side pilot the first time I did, and I was the left. And I was just, I mean, just red with with righteous rage when he got to, to you know, push the lever forward to send us into hyperspace. I was... Ooh, and this is my one my one gripe with the whole park. That's it. It's ruined. I'm gone. No, uh, <laughs> you had to pull the lever, not push it. No, yeah, that is a little weird because we. And I'm like, in my mind, I look at it. I'm like, oh crap, we're already in hyperspace. Oh wait, no, I gotta pull it. You know, it's like that's a really good point. I didn't even think it's of that. Weird. I don't. I I kind of get why. I I'm like, just from a, a a perspective of, you know, wanting to keep things out of people's way. Maybe I don't know, but. That was the that was my one minor gripe was like wow they went through such detail on everything, but someone somewhere got this backwards and I'm sure there's a reason for it. I'm sure it's not you know backwards just because someone oopsed, but I don't know. That, I don't that, know, but they're still fixing it after you kicked it. True. <laughs> well, you know, and the other thing is this is the Falcon of uh, like what the the sequel trilogy and beyond, so. Maybe uh, maybe the guy who was hosting the ride there got got to it and, and tweaked it. There were a lot of fix it guys in that whole uh, that whole area. There was all sorts of stuff being done. So who knows? But a, but a, a PSA for the, the people listening at home. When you do go, try to be one of the pilots. The pilot is and, and Jim, this goes for you when you when you go in January, whether you're the left pilot or the right pilot, the pilot is the best spot to be. Yep. So you can you can do. Uh, two things. If you get in the single rider line, you'll probably get on really fast, but you are not allowed to ask for a position. You just get what you get. If you do the standby line, you can ask for a position. When you get up and it's your turn, they might make you wait to get you into a group where it fits. Um, but otherwise, it's just a free-for-all. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we covered everything. Jim, guy that didn't go with us did you did we miss anything <laughs> and, I, any questions for us i i, I am sure that uh, i'll be ranting and raving about it when uh when, when i return oh they'll make fun of me at the shop if i don't mention the ronto rose I oh just, please i we talked i know we talked about the cantina we didn't talk about the other food rings but um uh the yeah no i i was uh i've looked forward to trying the ronto roasters and if you're if if uh if you're not a vegetarian um they are extremely tasty the little They're ronto wraps that they sell there that's um, what i got while i was there it was so good highly mind-blowing how good it was I'm, I'm going back in a couple of weeks and i'm i'm very much looking forward to uh to trying that again you know that, that said for the vegetarians and vegans out there one of the guys in our crew is vegan and went to um oh i can't think of the name of the little you know kind of uh quick service they have there but um but by the way how cool is that if did you notice the ship on top of the quick service restaurant has three cargo crates they're unloading i Uh, didn't notice it until we were in line for the falcon and i was looking out over the park 
Yep. And then I saw it. And did you see the numbers on those crates? I, I was I wasn't close enough. No. The numbers are seventy-seven, eighty, and eighty-three. That is oh, delightful. Jeez, I love it. Right. And when you go into the restaurant, there's one of those crates coming down from the ceiling. Basically, is the conceit, um, and it really carries through like that outside to inside kind of thing. Um, but they have a meatless option there. Uh, you know, it's one of these plant-based uh, meat sort of things, and he, he got this vegan for, for what feels like, you know, forever and tried it, actually went back to look at the menu to make sure there wasn't some meat option they could have accidentally given him uh, because he was like, this is like one of the most convincing sort of plant based meats I've ever had. Um, so really good option for folks who like that. Um and uh, but yeah, uh, the they they made fun of me because when we were leaving the land, we had a limited time to be in there. It was only four hours because of the um, uh, because it was on this preview thing and it was sort of tiered. And as we're leaving, we're walking, we're starting to walk through the marketplace, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be able to get another one of those Ronto wraps in a long <laughs> time. We might have to go back and get that before we leave, guys. And I I'm... didn't, and they just made fun of me the whole time for not doing that. <laughs> I've, I've heard it was the same the blue milk with what rum. Was that? Uh, for me, my last item when we were leaving, I was like, we got to get one more of these was the blue milk with rum. Uh-huh. Uh, it was I've really heard, tasty. I've heard the same thing about the Ronto wraps from uh, Holly Fry. She, she raved about those. Oh, my God. Holly so is like good. one of my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> I just enjoy her so much. I met, I ran into her uh, peering through the 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 a little gap in the wall trying to get a peek at star wars land while they were building it once down in uh hollywood studios about a year ago of <laughs> just like who's this crazy person trying to see over that wall and it's like oh it's holly hi <laughs> yeah she guessed it on the show and she was delightful yeah she was a lot fantastic. of fun um before we get out of here tom do you want to let folks know what you're working on oh boy uh, right now our shop is uh absolutely overwhelmed with wookies um we are literally uh, as as of this recording we're about a day away from finishing uh 50 chewbacca busts life-size busts that we all made in our new york shop here wow. um and uh we're we've been putting hair on them for about uh, a month now um little by little each of them and there's there's actually close to 60 busts going or 60 heads going because not only do we have the bus but we have life-size statues we're making for people and we have a couple of custom busts which are really more elaborate we've got uh two that are actually mechanical with silicone skins and it'll have a lever where you can open and close the mouth and make the lips curl and stuff um it's, it's just you know another in a very long line of dream projects we get to work on uh so yeah we've got those going we've got a custom desk for someone that's a really cool imperial themed desk uh that'll be uh probably going up on the site pretty uh i would say in about a month um we'll be finishing that up in a few days as well um we are currently working on a number of Prop restorations that are not Star Wars related, things like uh, Batman suits that Michael Keaton wore and a bunch of stuff from the Power Rangers 95 movie, uh, along with stuff from Aliens and Terminator 2. And it's a wonderland. I mean, it's it is the I, I am the luckiest guy in the world. I work with an amazing crew who makes me look good all the time. And I get up just 
excited as hell to get to work and and do things. I'm dying to go to work tomorrow because tomorrow is actually our first day of cutting style on the Chewbacca's, and um, it's like my favorite part. <laughs> uh, so anybody who got in on it, it was a very limited run. We only did 50 of these busts with Regal Robot, and anybody who got in on that run uh, know that I will be personally doing the cut and style on these things starting <laughs> tomorrow uh, for the next couple of days and we'll be uh, uh it's right now the shop is just covered in hair though so <laughs> it's uh it's a good time it's a very good time lots of lint rollers going around for wookie yeah. hair it, yes. it sounds like my house but i have uh malamutes and huskies so oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> very similar except the hair is even longer <laughs> uh, but yeah it's it's amazing we're uh between the two companies, we're just extremely busy right now. We've got extra crew in, and um, I, I feel like I am personally in this constant state of juggling while spinning plates and hurting cats. <laughs> but uh, but I would not trade it for the world. That's awesome. And and what's your website so folks can find you? So, yeah, they can find us at TomSpinaDesigns.com and RegalRobot.com. Please go to both. Please sign up for the mailing list if you like what you see, and we'll uh, send a mailer out maybe once a month or even less than that that just tells you when something cool and new shows up. And just try and find us on social. We're at, at TomSpinaDesigns and at RegalRobot on all of the, the platforms. We're very active every day on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, all of that stuff. Uh, find us, follow us, send us a message, say hi. I hope, uh, I, I think if they're fans of the show and the stuff we've been talking about, I have a feeling they're really going to love what they see. Yeah, we um, we also have an interview that, uh, that I did with you up on our site, uh, AIPTcomics.com, uh, where you talk about the, your process and uh, some of the materials, that, some of the, the stuff you were making. Cool, yeah, I recall um so yeah folks can check that out too and um and if you like what you see on either of the sites there's uh there's a contact page we do custom projects with both including with regal where everything is 100 percent officially licensed and official star wars merchandise that we are creating to order for people so we have folks who come to us and not only say hey, I want what you're already say, selling, they'll say, hey, I want a life-sized Muftak, or I'd love to have EV99 in my living room. Um, and that you're just not going to get from, you know, any other giant company licensee who wants to make 10000 or something. We're here to make, you know, one, one-on-one type uh, projects and to bring folks in and talk to them and get to know them and uh, find out about their space and what they're into because, Odds are we are into it too. I've yet to have someone request a life-size character and gone like, or, or a furniture piece or something, and just go like, eh, you know. It's <laughs> always something really cool. It's always, you know, the dewback sofa, the Han carbonite desk, your, uh, you know, muff tack and life-size yeah. Chewbacca's and uh, I, I, all I, kinds of fun stuff. I want a life-size like grumpy dad Muftak where he's like just lounging in a lazy boy with a remote (laughs) in his hand. (laughs) I want him like, yeah, I I need to see him like smoking and with like a a 1950s newspaper and like glasses, but four of them, you know, because he's got. (laughs) Well, don't worry. I'll be, uh, I'll be in touch soon to get a uh, life-size triple zero 
you have no money. Don't statue. even pretend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as long as you can come in under like a one hundred dollar budget, I'm your guy. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tom. We really appreciate you being on the show, and hopefully, we'll have you back again in the future. Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, so that was Tom Spina of Tom Spina Designs. As Jim said, you can find a great interview with him on our website, AIPTcomics.com, where you'll also find a ton of other Star Wars stuff, the most comic reviews anywhere every Wednesday, and a whole lot of other uh, geeky nonsense. Uh, So thanks for listening. Uh, You can find all of our episodes on the site, as well as uh, tons of Star Wars info posted on our Twitter. That's SWNPoorTaste.com. Once again, it's at SW in poor taste. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us SWIPT at AIPTcomics.com. That's as, S- long as, as long as you're not my dad. As long as you're not Connor's dad. <laughs> That's SWIPT at AIPTcomics.com. And it really helps us out if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share the show with your friends. Uh, So we will be back soon to talk to you about lots of exciting stuff coming up this December. You may have heard of some of it. The Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker. Little game called Jedi Fallen Order is coming out. Yeah, Uh, I'm just going to have no free time. Not that I have free time now. And there's uh, a remaster of Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, and a remaster of Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy. Oh, so much good stuff that we're going to talk about. Can't wait. I don't want to make the episode any longer, but oh. Uh, there's just so much good stuff to talk about. All right, we're getting out of here. Have a great night, everyone. Bye, Yukio. love to hear from you on twitter you can reach us at uh i f***ed it up